Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening is Jeremy Smith. The winter chill is closing in, so let's wrap up nice and warm with another drop of French football. But before we dive into a deep, deep week, um, here are the latest headlines. Saint-Étienne kicked things off on Friday night with a well, with their second half heroics, earning them a 3-0 win over Nantes. Robert Beric, Wabi Kazri and Timothy Kolodziak earned their a win that keeps them in the hunt for Europe. On Saturday, Lille halted their recent slide with a 2 all draw against Lyon. Loic Remy grabbed the first goal for the club as the host went two goals to the good, only for Legon to fight back for the point. In the multiplex, Monaco's revival was short-lived as Montpellier earned a 2-1 win at the Stade Louis de as Nîmes made it three wins on the bounce in all competitions as Rashid Aloui's double helped them to a 3-0 victory over Amiens. Angers and Caen could not be separated in the other fixtures that evening uh, with a one-all draw, while Gangump claimed uh, another unlikely point at home to high-flying Nice uh, in their game that ended 0-0. On Sunday, Toulouse came back from two goals down and a goalkeeper down as well to draw 2-2 with Dijon, while Raz put on a defensive masterclass as they earned a goalless draw against Marseille. Strasbourg are into the top half after their strong 4-1 win over Rennes, who, despite going ahead, gave away two penalties as they slipped further away from the European places. In the final match of the weekend, on the 15th time of asking, someone has taken points off Paris Saint-Germain. Andreas Cornelius grabbed an equaliser with time running out for Bordeaux to get a 2-2 draw off the almost perfect leaders. In other news, Luka Modric has won the Ballon d'Or this evening, posted by France Football, with Frenchman Antoine Griezmann finishing third and fellow compatriot Kylian Mbappe finishing fourth. And France have drawn an interesting group for the Euro 2020 qualifying stages. They will be facing off against Iceland, Turkey, Albania, Moldova and Andorra. The first matches will be played on the 22nd of March and they will be hoping to finish in the top two who get automatic qualification to the final tournament. And that's all for now, but do for, keep up to date with all the news in the world of French football. Head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with that news from just as, just before we started, in fact, with the Ballon d'Or, as Luka Modric is the winner of France Football's award. And, it, well, individual awards are always a difficult thing to chat about, really. Jez, he's finally broken the Messi-Ronaldo monopoly. Do you think he was the right man to be the one to do that? Uh, absolutely not, in my opinion. Um, obviously, I'm going to be biased. But, I mean, first of all, let's say that, you know, that there's been lots of stuff on Twitter this evening saying how ridiculous it is that, that Messi's only fifth in the world, even though he's the best player in the world. I understand that, but I think for, for quite a long time now, um, the Ballon d'Or has, has clearly been um, more a, a, a reflection or um, an award based on sort of rewarding people for what they've achieved in that preceding calendar year. 
And although Messi has, for the most part, carried Barcelona and, and um, certainly carried them to, to, to a Spanish title, um, I think it, it, because it's a World Cup year and because Argentina disappointed, um, it's it's understandable that, that he missed out. Um, but seeing as it's based on on rewarding what what players have achieved during that year, um, for me, yeah, it's it's the wrong decision. Modric, um, yeah, he's what he's won the Champions League and he's helped his team to to the World Cup. But I just felt that during the World Cup there was some kind of weird groundswell of, of this Modric love, which. I'm not saying he's not a great player, of course he is, but I think he's been consistently very good for years without necessarily really meriting. You know, it's not the same as, for example, when, when players like Xavi and Iniesta missed out. I don't think he's quite at their level. And certainly, you know, if it's based on the calendar year, by all accounts, in since, you know, since the start of the new season, he's been pretty poor overall. So uh, for me, you've got Varane, who also won the Champions League, but also won the World Cup, and I think was consistently the best player across the World Cup. Okay, he's a defender, and they're always going to be marked down for some stupid reason, but not marked, you know, don't get the recognition of others. But to me, seventh place for him is, is, is a joke. Um, and then the other two are obviously Griezmann and Mbappe, and probably what happens is that they sort of diluted each other's votes down. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if people were sort of split between them and, you know, if it had just been one of them, they may well have won it. But um, for me, Griezmann, I've said before, I think, you know, he was, he wouldn't say carried, but he was, you know, one of the star men as, as Atletico won the Europa League. He scored two goals and was man of the match in the final. In the World Cup, he had a, a disappointing group stage, but I thought he was absolutely immense and basically set the whole tone for how France played in the um, in the knockout stages and sort of finished that off with what well, I thought he was absolutely amazing against Belgium, but in the final as well. For me, he was the man of the match. He set up a couple, he scored one. Um, and, and again, just he was the one who, who controlled France. They sort of played to his sort of his bidding, I think. And um, while so far this season hasn't been quite as stellar, I still think that he's, he's kept up high standards. Certainly in the Champions League, I think he's got four goals already in the group stages, which which is a very good record as well. So I think you know I, I don't know what else he can do to win it. And this is probably his last chance, I'd have thought. Mbappe will certainly have other chances. I know you know, a lot of people thought that he deserved it. Personally, I don't think he did. I think he, his first six months for PSG, I don't think were, were particularly amazing. Obviously, by any other sort of 19-year-old standards, they were. But because of the, the standards he set himself, I don't think he was playing fantastically for, for the first six months. He had a brilliant World Cup, but... I would say not as good as as Varane and Griezmann, and um, certainly the second the second half of the year though he he's been fantastic. And if he if he'd had those kinds of standards the first half of the year, I'd say probably he'd be an indisputable candidate for 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 the Ballon d'Or. Um, it wouldn't have been an injustice if he if he'd won it. Um, for me, I don't think he should have done. But I do think it's an injustice that either Griezmann or Varane didn't. I think I don't think Modric should be up there. I certainly don't think Ronaldo should be up there. And you know, as we say every year when the UNFP awards come out as well, I think um, 
maybe a lot of the, of the voters are, are being a little bit a little bit lazy and unimaginative unfortunately mm, it's a funny one isn't it i mean i'm not the biggest fan of the ballon d'Or or or the world player or the best player whatever they want to call all these trophies nowadays but it feels a little bit more like a token gesture, doesn't it? I mean, it's almost like a nod, like you said, to, to the Javis and the Iniestas of the world that they missed out because of the pure dominance that Lionel Messi and, and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo had for the longest time, really. And even in the World Cup, really, he was good, but he was never really top quality. But at the same time, you can really throw a blanket over almost every player in the World Cup, really. I don't think there was anyone who really stood head and shoulders above anyone, really. But when you think that he won the Champions League and, and, and bits like that, I think they've they've almost done it as a token gesture, not to those players. It also feels a little bit like the uh, the other thing that a lot of people point to, the sort of Ryan Giggs um, Sports Personality of the Year yeah, Award, yeah. where it was... Um, almost like a terms of service deserve it like you've been so mildly underrated for so long here's an award to just just prove a little bit of something and and give you an edge that's not to say that Modric obviously isn't a fantastic footballer on his days he's, he's probably had a really poor second half of 2018 really he's not been great in a Real Madrid side that's really struggled and and he struggled personally as well not just for Real Madrid either even for for Croatia as well as they've dropped out and got relegated in the uh, in the Nations League as well. So, it, yeah, it just feels a bit token. And it's, I always feel like it's a shame when when a team's won a World Cup and plenty of those players have had success as well that and, and good years as well that none of them are rewarded in a year that eventually they the the grip from the two Titans is, is loosened. And I, it's very much like we, many were a little bit disappointed after um, the World Cup in, in 20... in... in uh, 2010 in 2014 that none of those players that that succeeded so well didn't get the sort of recognition again i mean no german player was even close on the 2014 one there was a time where where many thought ribery maybe should have stolen it as well it, it just feels like a shame that it's this sort of almost half gesture the fact that someone else should finally win it and it, and it ends up being a a relatively underwhelming one, but a positive we'll finish on at least on the, on the Ballon d'Or talk because Kylian Mbappe won the Young Award um, this evening as well, which comes as no surprise to anyone, I don't think. I don't think anyone quite comes close in that category, really, if we're being absolutely honest, Jez. Um, but he's going to be someone, thankfully, that's going to be the, the sort of... You can't imagine him not winning a Ballon d'Or sometime, even in the near future. He certainly should do if he if he carries on his sort of uh, I don't know if learning curve is the right word it's you know it's more than a curve but um, you know he he sort of two thousand yeah was it two thousand and sixteen just hit the ground running sprinting and like I said I, I think there was a bit of a drop off for for um, a lot of last season but. Um, what he's done at the World Cup and since just just shows what what a talent he is. And as he gets older and stronger and more experienced, as, as long as he doesn't get distracted by by some of the um, sort of extracurricular activities or distractions of footballers and and stays stays fit and healthy, um, it's a cliche, but the world really is his oyster. I mean, he could be an absolute megastar. Um, it's almost like you, you, you worry for him that 
he's sort of achieving a little bit too much too young but hopefully that will be a springboard for for him to go on to even better things rather than him sort of you know, it's it's not the same as Wayne Rooney, but you know, Rooney sort of burst onto the scene in, in Euro, what was it 2004? Mm. And sort of with hindsight, you could argue that that was his peak, um, certainly internationally. Um, it's it's possible that, I hope not, but it's possible we've already seen the peak of Mbappe. But if we have, it's not it's not a bad peak to achieve a World Cup at 19. But certainly, he should be. He should be looking to to go down in history as as one of the greatest ever. There's no reason why he can't do. Absolutely, and the other factors that come into it as well. You you really hope that he doesn't get an injury or anything like that that curtails his magnificent pace. Really, that would be such a shame and something we've ha- seen happen to to plenty of of great players. So let's keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, good. Hopefully, he's intelligent and talented enough in football over um, even if he were to lose some of his pace there's still enough there you know he's not like a, a walker he's got just pace and absolutely nothing else yeah absolutely yeah that's a, there's a there's a major difference between the two isn't it but let's hope he can stay fit and stay firing and, and uh, continue on to do some great things for Paris Saint-Germain and for France who um obviously the draw in Dublin happened um the other night to get it for uh, the Euro 2020 qualifying groups for the teams in France get what is I suppose the draws can be a little bit awkward everywhere now, but it's it's not too bad of a draw, really. You could say, but Iceland recent qualifiers, but have sort of dropped off the their Nations League and their World Cup weren't as as idyllic as as it has been, and, and Turkey are sort of in a bad moment as well. A side that we'd usually think is maybe a, a little bit of a an awkward one at times, especially away from home. But they've really struggled on the international scene in the last couple of years as well, despite having some really interesting players. In fairness to the other three, Albania can be an awkward away trip, but you expect really walkovers for against Moldova and Andorra, but nothing less than top of this group, really. And looking at all the other groups that they could have got, like the Netherlands group, really. But in all honesty, this should be a walkover for Deschamps' side, shouldn't it? It certainly should be. France have a history of, of never making it... Um, quite that easy for themselves and you can look at a few of the teams there and sort of um make a make an argument argument for why it's not going to be entirely straightforward um turkey as you said that they're, they're sort of not at the, at the peak of their powers but it's never an, an easy place to go and um with all due respect to france they upset maybe it's a bit harsh for the football team right now but certainly french French sports people in general are not always the, the, the strongest sort of mentally and you could imagine that some would be a little bit affected by um, by a really intimidating atmosphere. Um, Andorra even, you know, when, when they were very new on the scene and I think they've improved a lot since then, um, I think it was the, I think it was even in qualifying for Euro 2000 with France as world champions. They really struggled past them a couple of times. And one of them, I think it took a very late penalty from, from Le Boeuf to, to, to even win the match. So there's history there for a bit of shakiness. Um, same with um, uh, Iceland, obviously, that the, the 
on paper, it, it looked like they, they came out quite comfortably in, in the Euro 2016 quarterfinal, but Iceland even there gave them a little bit to think about. And then even earlier this year, um, okay, it was a friendly, but Iceland for the most part outplayed France and France were a little bit lucky to, to come away with a, a two draw. So, and then, you know, Moldova, it's, it's never easy to go to the, I know it's cliche, but it's never easy to go to these, to, to these relatively far flung places where, you know, you don't, have the, the same sort of creature comforts of you know, quality sort of changing rooms or anything like that to, to play in. So I don't think, and Albania as well, going back again to, to Euro 2016, um, it took, I was there actually, but it took a couple of very, very late goals for France to, to squeeze past them. So, and I think they, didn't they lose to Albania in a, in a I think it was a friendly, one of those late season yeah. friendlies. That, yeah. Before the Euros, maybe? Yeah, I can't remember if it was a qualifier or it was definitely in sort of one of those June ones where you wonder how many people still care, how many are still on holiday. But I'm pretty sure there was, there was a defeat there. But yeah, it might have been a qualifier even. So, you know, certainly France should not be taking any of any of these, these matches or these teams lightly, but it would be a massive, massive shock if they were to qualify. Yeah, um, I don't think they should be really having any trouble, really. I mean, even Iceland have dropped off to a certain extent from from six months. I know they went on a great run, but um, they weren't great at all in the, the Nations League competitively. And you feel like it maybe was one of those moments. And if anything, this is a, a group where Turkey are looking at it to think that maybe they can they can steal a, 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 a moment in the tournament away from Iceland. There's not exactly competition elsewhere, so the games against them will be absolutely massive. But yeah, I can't imagine Deschamps not looking at this group and thinking that, if anything, they should be taking maximum points and qualifying as soon as possible to give them some time to experiment a little bit. I mean, like we said, there's some groups that are... A little bit more awkward, at least. Anyway, you wouldn't have really fancied going to that ne- the group with Netherlands and Germany and an even Belarus on a high from from winning their group. Northern Ireland are a tricky team. That's such a tricky, awkward group. And the same with uh, Portugal's Ukraine and Serbia. Both had great nation league times. They're both sides rising as well at the moment. That's not an easy one necessarily. So... In, in a way, they've, they've probably felt like they've got off a little bit lightly for, for some of the things. But at the same time, you might say European qualifying full stop can be a, a little bit light for most teams that have the strength and depth to, to get to tournaments, at least anyway. But let's move on now back to Liga action. And it was a great weekend full of um, interesting results. And we can't start anywhere else but that game on Sunday night where Paris Saint-Germain finally dropped some points and there's still some talking points around that as well but Cardiff legend um, Andreas Cornelius <laughs> grabbing the header that grabs the headlines that gives Leisure on Dana a, a good draw and out of sort of slowly they, they've been up and down this season really Jez but a great point for them to get off the back of a good win in the Europa League as well that keeps their hopes alive there too it's <laughs> It, was Bordeaux always maybe one of the teams that you felt like in this game heading into it that maybe this is finally the team that might cause some trouble for Paris Saint-Germain and finally take something off them? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's sort of easy to, easy to say it with hindsight, but they are one of those those teams that on their day, um, they don't always have many days, but they are up and down, there, but they, they are a talented bunch and 
and you know they, they do have some kind of pride there they are sort of a, a team of it a club with, with a very rich history and so I think there is an element of you know when they're playing one of the other bigger teams they do tend to raise their game I think you know, Lyon certainly come unstuck against them a couple of times in, in recent seasons um, and as you said I think that if you look at the Europa League I'd say um, Bordeaux and Rennes I mean that they're, they're both still still in with a shout of qualifying Bordeaux with a little less than Rennes but I think both of them have, have Possibly the, the results they've had haven't necessarily been an entirely fair reflection of how they've been playing in the Europa League. And um, you look at Bordeaux's goal difference actually isn't so bad considering that that um, they they are struggling to qualify. And I think it shows that that, that they have been tough to beat. Um, so I, yeah, I, d I don't think it's an, a massive shock, but at the same time, you know, they are well eleven, so sort of banging in mid-table and it wouldn't necessarily have been the match that you'd have expected PSG to come unstuck. There's some others that, that they've played already, which maybe looked a little bit harder on paper. But, you know, coming coming off that that Liverpool win, you know, there's no doubt which of the two matches would, would have been more important to win um, this week. So I think possibly there was a, a bit of a mental drop-off as to be expected. But yeah, two two one ahead with, with not long to go. You certainly would have expected um, PSG to go through, and you know maybe it was the fact that Neymar had gone off injured and Mbappe seemed to want to go off after after he'd scored. Um, yeah, that possibly there are just a, a few players there who are a little bit mentally and physically tired, and you know at some point they're going to have to drop points. <laughs> at times, you, you, know, you you did start to wonder. You know, let alone going through a season unbeaten, are they actually going to go through a season winning every single match? But you know, it takes an extraordinary feat to do that. Uh, however good the players they've got compared to the the players they're facing week in week out in the game, it's just it's a little bit too much to ask. And you know, at some point, this is bound to happen. And yeah, it's not such a shock that it that it's that it's at Bordeaux all places. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. They're in a good moment as well, aren't they? Like we said, from the from the good Europa League result as well, that that keeps those flames alive a little bit. And they've been up and down, but a little bit better in the league recently, at least. And yeah, PSG just seem to drop it a little bit in moments. But at the same time, it's not like we've not seen this coming at points, really. I mean, earlier on this season, they were a little bit lucky at Gangomp and at Neem at times. Um, they sort of allowed themselves to get casually into a game of it and then sort of strode away in the last sort of couple of minutes or so or, or in the second half, sort of pulled away with the quality that they have. But it doesn't always allow you to do that. And then this one, when they were a little bit lackadaisical after um, the 1-0, they, they were sort of brought back to life and eventually... Bordeaux managed to to grab the goal that, in essence, really, that I, I felt like they deserved. I don't think they were necessarily completely outclassed by Paris Saint-Germain, as other sides have been this season. But like you say, attentions were also distracted from that midweek game. There was plenty of energy spent in that one because it mattered a, a lot more to them. But what might matter a lot more to them, just depending on um, how he sort of recovers, because we don't quite know the extent of it yet. As Neymar, like you mentioned, had to hobble off of things, it seems like Mbappe was maybe a little bit of cramp and will be okay. But the Brazilian is a little bit more fearful that he might be out for a few games at least, um, which is a little bit of a worry with that the Red Star game still 
coming around the corner while you still expect them to win. You don't really want to be losing one of your best players at this time, really. But at the same time, at least it's not the knockout stage of the Champions League if they get there with him out. But um, he's still going to be a, a bit of a miss because especially in that Liverpool game, he he was really, really spectacular. And he, he, he did have a, a good goal in this one. And he's an important player. Uh, I'm going to probably get criticised by PSG fans for saying it again. But, uh, I mean, I thought he was excellent against against Liverpool as he was in the first half in the, in the second match against Napoli. And it's good that he's starting to show signs that he is turning up for good matches in a way that he hadn't done yet, since, certainly since, he, since the time that he was at Barcelona. Um, I would still be inclined to suggest that away to Red Star is the kind of match that you could see him not particularly fancying. And so if he was going to miss any match, as you said, I think you know, certainly not knockouts and arguably better that, better that you miss that one than, than at home to Liverpool, where I think all the ingredients are there for him to feel like, yeah, this is the kind of match where I really want to turn on the start. Um, I think you know, the way to Red Star, maybe you want a little bit more sort of not dogs of war, but players who, who are going to show a little bit more fight than, than Neymar tends to do sometimes. So, it, yeah. <laughs> he's obviously, well, I was going to say, one of the best players in the world. I think he's officially number 11 or 12 best player in the world, according to tonight's rankings. But um, you always would rather have someone like that in your team than not. But um, I think there could be worse, worse times for him for him to miss out. So I, I still think if PSG show the same heart and desire that they did against Liverpool, they should still be able to come out on top even without him. Yeah, absolutely. It's weird, isn't it? He's a big miss, but also not a big miss at the same time. It's strange when you have so much strength and depth that you uh, can kind of accept the loss of a player of Neymar's quality. I mean, uh, there's probably about millions of teams in the, in the entire co- world globe that would absolutely uh, die a death without a player like that. But Paris Saint-Germain are maybe the one of maybe three, four clubs that could maybe live without a player of, of his dynamic abilities, at least for, for a couple of games, at least. Um, I, st- I still think that maybe just having two of those three could work in some ways to PSG's benefit as well, because you know I, d- I don't think anyone can argue anymore that you know, there's absolutely no doubt that Cavani is the is their sort of mistreated of the three, whatever Tuchel says to the contrary. You know, the fact that it's always him that go, goes off first, I think even maybe. Yeah. Certainly against Liverpool, he, he went off early. Um, and that was just after Mbappe wasted a break when Cavani was well played by basically stopping the break in his tracks to wait for Neymar to catch up with him. So I think without Neymar there, Possibly Mbappe and Cavani could. There's no reason why they couldn't form a very good partnership. I just think that they're not sort of been given the chance to by whatever politics is going on. I think it was Nick Miller who sent a tweet just after that break collapsed saying one day someone will write a PhD on, on the politics of the PSG's counterattacks. Which I thought was quite a pointed but funny, funny tweet. And it would be nice to see Mbappe and Cavani being given a chance together without Neymar getting in the way. Mm, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it, it fits in and then how the dynamic changes when he comes back again, similar to, similar to last year. Let's see how, how it affects under different management styles. But 
they're pretty blessed to be fair. Let's, let's, put, let's yeah. put it that way. They, they're, not, they're not exactly um, rooting for it. But uh, we move on really to, to, to a team that's not so rich as their, their demise maybe wasn't so greatly exaggerated really in Monaco, who fell apart again. Um, at the weekend against Montpellier, it's maybe the best way to describe it because two late goals um, from the from Le Payard who have been great this season, but at the same time, Monaco will be really disappointed that they did have quite a decent performance. Really, Jez, they weren't too bad. They had a couple of good opportunities. They grabbed a goal. They were comfortable for the first half, you would say, but again, defensively, they just let things slip. They couldn't kill the game off offensively either. So. It just ended up with them losing again and and losing ground already again. They're now three points adrift of the teams above them. Now it's getting a little bit silly. Now we thought they may have turned a corner with that result last week. We thought they may have turned a corner with an okay performance against us, and I thought they could Madrid side that should give them promise, but they let things slip again. Yeah, I mean the the, the one thing that they will be relieved at is that probably that that Dijon. Um, Wasted a two-goal and a and man advantage at Toulouse, so it keeps them a little bit more in touch. Um, and Monaco actually have got a goal difference than the, the the two ahead of them, so that's something for them to sort of look on the bright side of. But I felt really sorry for them at the weekend. I think they they for the most part of the season they have been awful, as as bad as their their results have suggested, and haven't deserved anything from it. But I first half against Montpellier, I thought. I actually thought they were excellent. They looked really organised in defence, had a five-man defence. Um, Pierre-Gabriel looked great at, 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 um, on the right of the, the centre, I think. And um, They just they looked relatively comfortable. And for the first time, I think, the first time I've seen it at Monaco, Tielemans really was, was running the show. I thought he looked at the class in the midfielder that, that Monaco thought that they'd signed. He scored a lovely goal, sort of, dictating a, a, a counter-attack and just kind of breaking stride just that that um, sort of split second to, to buy some space off the defender to, to, to put the ball away. And I thought he absolutely deserved the goal and Monaco deserved the lead. But I think it was just nerves because of what's been happening that they just fell further and further back as the second half went on. And, I suppose it was inevitable that Montpellier were going to equalise, but then you know, to, to to lose the match so late after a huge defensive error from Jemison as well, it was just it was really cool, and it was the first time that I really thought, you know, this this is bad. Things aren't going their way, um, and you know, if if even when they're playing well, things are going to go against them, then then they really could be in trouble. I still think they have, they should have enough about them, and I still think that they've got a reasonable run till Christmas, apart from the Lyon match where they could get points. But you know, every time they don't, then the next match becomes bigger and bigger. I think I'm double checked, but if they got Amiens next, which is, I think you know, is the, yeah. the team just above them, so you know, having played Caen a couple of weeks ago, this is another absolutely massive match. Not only giving them a chance to catch up. Obviously, if Amiens get three points, then they're suddenly six points ahead of them. And, and yeah, they're in even deeper trouble. And you'd like you say, you look at their fixture list, really. It's, it's, it is Amiens next week away from home. They, they need a result there, really, to to pull them back into the, to the mire and start getting them some traction. A, a derby should convince them 
the weekend, surely they can get up against uh, Nice, but that's not an easy game when they're difficult to score against as well. Then an away game to Leon, that's exactly what they don't want to be having um, at this time of the year. And then they finish off before the winter break facing the, the bottom side. Um, they need to get results. They need to start getting results because that's what will breed the confidence. Because even going into January, they start off against a, against Marseille at the, the Velodrome as well. When they they come back off their their winter jollies as well, so something needs to start giving for them. It just feels like when when looks not going your way as well, it, it it does start to really worry you. To be honest, I mean. You feel like this is a much better team than we seem to be getting on the field all the time. And they do put in these performances that aren't that bad. But when you're losing games and you're not that bad, it's it starts to put the alarm bells on really more than anything. And you start thinking, well, if you're playing OK at the moment and you can't really get out of third gear, where are these results going to start coming from? I mean, they need to start and start doing it now or... Otherwise, they're going to be in real trouble. And maybe Thierry Henry, if they, if they have a really poor December, maybe his uh, his name will come up again and his, his seat will start to heat up a little bit. Because, Jez, like you say, if, if, if it doesn't change, it kind, it kind of has to, doesn't it? The, the one thing that I keep thinking back to is that, obviously, from you're slightly closer to it than, than others, but mess were horrific last year and were bottom basically the whole, the whole season at times sort of, 10, 12 points adrift from the rest. And they only actually got relegated, I think, like maybe two or three weeks before the end of the season. So it kind of just, it's a silly thing to say, but it, it sort of drills home how how long the season is, how many points there are on offer, and, and how quickly things can change. I, can, I remember that they had a good run just before, just after Christmas, and suddenly they were only sort of three, six points um, adrift from from the rest, and then they sort of collapsed again. But Monaco are in a much better... I know this is not... I'm sure none of this is much consolation to Monaco fans right now, but they are in a better position than Mess, and they've got a hell of a lot more about them um, to get out of trouble than Mess. So I don't think it's panic stations yet, but it's certainly worry stations. The one the one thing I would say is that you, you look at the team, and, and you know, in theory... Balcao was supported by a World Cup semi-finalist and a World Cup quarter-finalist in, in Chadley and Golovin. They were, Golovin in particular, absolute tribe. I've, I've never really seen the fuss in Golovin anyway, but I, you know, it's a bit harsh just because he had a decent shot that hit the, hit the bar, and if that had gone in, it would have been 2-0 and they probably would have gone on to win the match. But apart from that shot, I thought he looked like a League One footballer. For most of the match, absolute rubbish. And uh, if I was Henri, I'd drop him from the team as soon as possible if they if they want to look to score goals. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit worried about some of these young players as well. I think at least some of them that they've been starting, they just aren't ready. I don't think. I think some of them quite clearly maybe need another year in the oven. Um, but. It's just how he balances that on. I mean, it's, it's it's kind of how the team's been built now, really, and 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 injuries have obviously forced his hand as well. But they do need to sort of dip into the coffers. But then you worry is that the, the ownership's maybe not as involved as previously. Is there other money coming in? All those sort of questions start surling, and then you do really start to to fear for them. But you do feel like something needs to click into gear in this next month and it will be crucial for players, for, for the club and for, for management for that to, 
to happen for them. Uh, on to the onto the big game, really, or the the bigger game of the, of the weekend, really, between uh, Lille and um, Leon. Two sides fighting for Champions League football, but um, contrasting sort of fortunes in the last couple of weeks, at least. Anyway, Leon have been pretty good for the last few weeks or so and, and been taking some good results even in the Champions League. Lille dipped a little bit here and they'll be massively disappointed, won't they really, Jess, that they got two goals up. I know Loic Rimmers was very early, but they got into a strong position and and much like Leon have all season really, they've just managed to sneak something when they when you thought that maybe they were having a bit of an off day and, and at the same time it would have been a great another statement when for Lille but for Leon now that's a that's a point that gets them ever closer to PSG even though Montpellier picked up a win that throws them into second it, it means that that Leon maybe have, have, have sort of attested their previous sort of amnesty against the against some of the, the bigger teams this season or some of the Against some of these games where they, where they felt like they should have got wins, but this is finally one where maybe they felt like they probably should have lost it, but then they've come away with a with a with a point that they'll be um, more than happy with. Yeah, I think um, there's no doubt Leon will be happier with the two. Um, I think they'd have, they'd have taken the draw before the match, and certainly um, at two 0 down, they, they'd have, they'd have been very happy with that, and it, it keeps them up there. It helps that. Um, Marseille didn't, didn't manage to get a win um, against against us, so it's sort of, um, you know it doesn't put them any further further back, having played one of their one of their rivals at the top at the top. Um, for Lille, it's very frustrating. That's quite a few matches um, now with, without without a win, and um, I'm not saying that they they've got any reason to panic yet, but certainly at two 0 up, they they'd have been thinking this was this was. Um, the time for their, their recent luck reform to change, and they they'd have been good for it. But you know, they played very well. They scored a couple of lovely goals, and and they were, um, I yeah, I thought for the most part the, the better team. But um, you know, Genesio gets a hell of a lot of stick, and sometimes Leon put themselves in in silly positions. But this is a kind of microcosm of it that. They fell behind by not playing very well, but at least they did show some kind of um, mental resolve to get back into it. And you know, in the same way that, that PSG came off a, off a big result to um, to to only draw it in in the in the domestic league, I think you have to say the same for Lyon. A hard fought match against against City that they were unlucky to not to win, and. Straight off that, go, visiting somewhere like Lille is not a, a very easy match to 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 go to, and so you know to to come away from that with a draw, I think is is a good result for them. So certainly Lille will be kicking themselves more, but overall, I mean, as, as a neutral, I think you have to say it was a it was a, it was a great advert for the game, and two very good matches, as you know, few very good goals, and um, yet yeah, two two quality teams who, who deserve to be. Um, sort of fighting for European places. Mm, yeah, absolutely. They're a bit too entertaining teams, at least anyway, with with great forward play, at least anyway. And they, they showed that at times in this one. I, I thought both teams showed a, a lot of endeavour and, and a lot of reasons why they are sort of in that top end of the league, but also why they're so far off Paris Saint-Germain at the same time. Both of them 
have great ta- attacking intent with with players that can burst forward and create chances and score goals. Even like Remy finally getting on the act for for Lille with the young books as well would be great to see. They'll, it's a great player to learn from from the experience that he's got both in in France and in England. And then Leon showing some character to come back as well, grab grab a win because they a lot of times they've allowed things to slip this season and and getting. Moussa Dembele getting more goals as well. It's, it's good to see him start to to grow into the team a little bit. He can sometimes look a little bit um, over-eager. He can sometimes sort of lose the ball a little bit, but they're, they're slowly integrating him in. He's not always starting either, but um, it's great to see him um, get another goal and get some more confidence and uh, start to, to, to claw back some of these results and, and claw back some of the giant fee they paid for him uh, we're almost finished tonight there will be an, an extra um, dosage of Liga in midweek which will be great for us Liga fans to enjoy at least anyway but just before we go tonight let's do our Liga and snapshot so what haven't we discussed tonight that our fans at home should hear about uh, I'm gonna have to make this up on the spot because I forget about this every week and usually you save me by asking someone else first and giving me a chance to come up with something. <laughs> I can go first if you wish. Yeah, go on then. I have one I absolutely have one in hand, of course I do. I always do. Um I, I, mine goes to um the great result of the weekend for Rance, but specifically Edward Mendy, who was at Absolutely terrific in goal for for the Champagne Club. He made a string of saves against the Marseille side that tried to kind of batter down the door. Really, six shots on target, really, but fifteen shots. But he was he was commanding. He was he was a great shot stopper. He, he distributed well. He marshaled his defence terrifically. And uh, in fact, at times, Rance maybe could have nicked it. Even there was a couple of chances for for them to to grab a, a little bit of a win, and they would have only had only one person to thank really, and that's. Edouard Mendy, who's had, I think, a really underrated season. He, he's been terrific so far for for Rans. A big reason why they have been so good defensively. It's not just the centre backs in the organisation. It's been him being the brick wall at the end of the road as well for everyone to to try and smash past. And to, kudos to him. Kudos to management. Kudos to Rans for for an excellent result that I'm sure not many would have thought they would have got at the Velodrome, and they should be um, immensely proud of how they've started this. Season. And one of the reasons why it has been him and the amount of clean sheets he's kept for the for the uh, newly promoted side. So, Jez, I've given you a little bit of time. <laughs> All right. Um, if, snapshot? if I may, it's not going to be a league snapshot exactly, but um, I'm going to cheat and, and go back to, to what we started with and mention the, the um, now infamous incident that happened tonight during the, during the Ballon d'Or ceremony. Um, which is kind of Ligue 1 connected or more Division 1 connected because it's, it relates to, to Lyon women's team. Um, this is um, Arthur Hegerberg who, who quite rightly uh, um, won the inaugural women's Ballon d'Or um, for, for everything that she, she's achieved obviously with Lyon in the Champions League yet again. Um, Martin Solberg, who was, who was co-presenting, um, Sort of started off very well by by saying you know inaugural Ballon d'Or winner and it's about time that there was a women's Ballon d'Or trophy, and then <laughs> ruined all his good work by asking uh, the the winner if she can twerk, which um, as people noted he didn't ask Modric whether he could do. Um, quite rightly, Hegerberg sort of dismissed it with with 
just the right level of disdain and then walked off. And yeah, it was not it was not a pretty moment and has got a hell of a lot of coverage quite rightly on Twitter. Um, it shows that, you know, I guess, two steps forward, one step back. You know, it's, it's great and certainly I think Lyon particularly leading the way in, in putting women's football on the map. And it's absolutely right that, that there is now a, a, a women's Ballon d'Or trophy, but it also shows that there's still um, a few hurdles to, to, to be jumped over before it gets entirely the it and its players get entirely the, the respect that, that they deserve. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a couple more hurdles to jump. He should absolutely ask Modric to twerk next time if he if he comes back on because that's in the in the rightness of equality. He should have absolutely asked the young Croatian to do it as well. But uh, I bet yeah. I bet Griezmann and Mbappe can twerk better. Than <laughs> I think I think Griezmann would have done it, but without him asking to be fair, more than anything. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I, yeah, I, don't think, I don't think he would have needed any invitation to do it. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's a perfect place to stop this week. My thanks to Jess and all of you listening at home uh, do join us for the it will it'll be another version of our show on thursday because we do have another midweek round of fixtures some great ones to tune into so if you've got bt sport in in the uk do tune in because there's plenty of games on tomorrow and wednesday night as well so do tune in because there's some crackers coming to your screen and uh, we'll join you here again on thursday abby and goodbye